What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Will, and this week uh, we have some fun subjects that we're talking about with uh, Xander Kiter, friend of the podcast. Um, this week we are talking specifically about a recent effort of mine. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I set the Winter White Mountains Hut Traverse record, uh, and uh, then Xander and I also talk about winter records more generally and sort of the the ethos behind them. Uh, I sort of have some some internal questions that I'm uh, I'm questioning about whether or not winter efforts are really worth it or how we should classify them or what have you. It's a fun conversation. Um, we give a good trip report for my effort and we also talk about that stuff. I also want to mention that I have some sweet podcast guests coming up for you guys. Uh, it has been difficult scheduling for the last couple of months, but I have stuff on the calendar now, and so it's actually going to happen. People are going to come on. It's going to be great. I can even give you guys a little sneak peek of who is coming on. Um, first, I'm going to have Philip Karsha on. He and I are going to talk about his Winter 48 record that he did with Andrew Soares, um, and we're going to talk probably about Winter FKTs generally on that episode, too. I think that'll be fun because he and I you know, both just set Winter Records. Um, plus it's always fun to catch up with Philip. He hasn't been on the podcast in a while, so that'll be great. All, and then after Philip, I'm going to pretty much have a who's who of long distance hikers from this past year. So I'm going to have on, uh, Nick Fowler, who did the self-supported Pacific Crest Trail record. I'm going to have Christian Morgan on, who did the Southbound Appalachian Trail record. And then I'm going to have, uh, Billy Wahoo Meredithon. And he, if anyone doesn't know this guy, he just set the uh, calendar year triple crown record. So these guys hike much longer distances than I do, very, very fast. And uh, I, I, uh, I'm i fascinated by these guys. It's, it's pretty crazy what they do. So those should be a bunch of fun episodes. I have a lot more people that I want to talk to but haven't scheduled with yet. So keep your eyes on the pod. And speaking of hopeful future podcast guests, uh, I want to throw something out to you guys. So if you or someone you know is going to be doing their first through hike in 2024, uh, hit me up. I want to talk to you. Basically, I've just always thought it would be really cool for a podcast to do before and after interviews with someone uh, on their first through hike attempt whether that be the Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, but I think a ton, at least for me and everyone I know, there is a ton of personal growth that happens on your first through hike. And I just think it would be really, really interesting to have a documented before and after conversation with someone who is taking on that challenge. I, depending on the trail, I'm, I'm open to, obviously Appalachian Trail, PCT, CDT, I'm open to. If I can't find anyone else, then maybe I'd do something shorter like the long trail, but uh, I think those multi-month projects are really where you see the most growth. So if you are interested or if you have someone who might be interested in having a conversation with me before their very first thru-hike in 2024, hit me up uh, either at the Instagram account, which is at from the backcountry, or at the podcast email, which is from the backcountry at gmail.com. Oh, and also... Uh, this is my once-in-a-while plea for more five-star reviews because my self-worth is determined by your five-star reviews. So please help me out. Uh, I have crippling image problems, and I really need your help. 
No, but seriously, uh, it's just nice to know that people like the podcast. And if you leave a five-star review and write a written review on Apple Podcasts, I don't think you can leave a written review on Spotify. Um, but if you leave a written review on Apple and it's five stars, I'm legally obligated to read out whatever you write. So embarrass me, uh, make me read something silly. I don't care. All right, guys, and last thing before we get to the episode, let me tell you about the sponsor for this episode. You've heard it before. They've been on here before. Infinite Nutrition. Uh, Infinite is my go-to fuel for all of my training and racing because it's customizable and simple. Calories, protein, carbs, electrolytes, flavor, caffeine, all of that and more can be personalized to your tastes and needs. Uh, So if you've been looking to try Infinite, this is a great time because they are having a big sale for the new year on their website uh they are having a buy one get one half off on their custom blends so if you go over to infinite nutrition's website and use the code fuel 424 um i believe the the sale is from january 4th through january 7th go over to their website use the code fuel 424 that's f-u-e-l all capital letters 424 You'll get 50% off your second custom blend when you get two, plus you'll get $15 off your order for every $50 that you spend. Uh, So it's a great deal, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. If you want to try Infinite, now's a good time. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and I will talk to you all next time. Peace. in-person interview now that i'm not doing them well i guess jordan's was two episodes ago and he was in person you can probably just restart <laughs> nah <laughs> so uh in-person interview awful vibes with x kiter <laughs> as he's known savior of the pod mm. um mm. i still am and even though i'm on vacation still slacking on scheduling <laughs> people for the pod even though i have like a i tr- like I kid you not, a stacked lineup of people who have said yes to the podcast, and I just have not scheduled with them. Yeah, it's just insane. one name seems to float to the top. Sander Kiter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's tough out here. But I actually now have two future interviews scheduled on the books. So nice. you'll be, you guys Very will be nice. getting content that's not, uh, not X-Kiter. <laughs> We're also coming at you from... My brand new portable recording studio. Uh, compliments of Ashley Korsberg. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> looks great. Sound yeah. quality is going to be the best it's ever been. Yeah, which is extremely low bar. But, <laughs> uh, but it's like this. She got me this little uh, sort of curved foam alcove that the mic rests in uh, to dampen some, some background noise. It'll be great. It'll be great. It'll be great. Uh, yeah. Any any other announcements for the for the masses? No. No. All right. <laughs> well, the uh, the big news in the White Mountains, like trail running hiking scene, is we just had the New Hampshire forty eight record go down. Winter version. The winter Pammy record go down. And then your own winter hutchverse. Correct. 
And I want to get the want to give people credit. I forget who the name of the guy who did the the PEMI recently. Um, but so yeah, I did the Winter Hut Traverse. Uh, Andrew Sores and Philip Karsha did the uh, did the Winter Forty Eight. And that was uh, supported. I well, it had to be if they were going together. Well, it could have been it could have been self supported, but. I want to say people met up with them at some point, so it was probably supported, but I don't, I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Christopher Paquette uh, did the did the Winter Pemi. How fast is the Winter Pemi? Eight hours and 40 minutes. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty nice, yeah. Uh, especially considering, like, the Garfield... Garfield Ridge section, like, yeah. it's always going to be brutal. You're going to have to go way slower than you would in the summer. Yep. Strong efforts. Yeah. So Really good stuff. Yeah, tons of winter records going down in the last couple of weeks. We'll talk all about it. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get to it. But we'll, we'll focus on yours uh, today, mm-hmm. the winter hut traverse. Um, when did you decide you were going to do that? Yes. So, a little bit of background for... Uh, I, I doubt many people were following me in the uh, the winter of 2020-2021. Uh, but, you know, first first tried just a regular hut traverse in August of 2020. Bailed halfway because uh, I was still massively fatigued from the unsupported 48 and I was just, like, kind of being soft. Uh, so then I was like, oh, man, I got to go back to this route. I guess I'm going to go do it in the winter. Uh, plus, at the time, there was no winter FKT for it. Um, so I geared up for that, uh, right around like new years for 2021. Um, but a fellow by the name of Ryan Mitchell got to it before I did, uh, and, and put down a really stout time. And I spent the, the rest of the winter chasing that time and not, uh, so I, I tried it twice unsuccessfully in the winter, having to bail out halfway first time because, uh, it was just really bad conditions and really hard. Second time, because second time I was actually feeling really good, um, but I got to I got to the halfway point and was staring down the presidentials and the the weather had changed and there were supposed to be fairly uh, fairly strong winds for the rest of the day, so I I decided that I did not feel good about it and then tried it once more. So thrice that winter <laughs> I tried. I I did it in March of 2021. Uh, completed the traverse. Not in record time, though. It was, as far as I knew, the the second fastest time at that point. Um, in, like, 29 and a half hours. Or, sorry, 19 and a half hours. Not 20. Yeah. Um, that was, still to this day, that was the most heinous single day of activity I have ever done in my life. It was so bad. Like, I was snowshoeing. Basically, you, you guys know... The, the terrain, you're all, everyone listening to this podcast is, is locals for the most part. So, like, Great Gulf to the top of Madison was completely untracked. And then the Prezi was actually really good. Um, and then Twinway from the top of, like, the Willyfield Tom range over to the Zealand Hut, also completely untracked. The trail was gone. So it was just, like, snowshoeing through knee-deep snow and and route finding to get over there. And then once again, everything from Gio, basically everything from Gio to Lafayette was, was just completely gone. Uh, it was truly heinous. The bill tid bailed me out when I bonked on Lafayette, which 
was awesome. That was actually the day I met Bill Tid. So <laughs> that was pretty sick. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't get it back in 2021. And then, um, my mindset sort of shifted for winter efforts. Cause that showed me just how hard winter efforts can be if you're doing them under certain conditions. And, and so I've, you know, the last three years I've sort of been sitting back and saying, all right, maybe I'll come back to the winter hot traverse, but it has to be the right conditions. Um, and this winter rolled around. We got this giant rainstorm right before winter hit that killed all of the snow <laughs> and uh, seemed like the time. So uh, went after it and uh, and got the got the record. Uh, Ryan's time was like 18 and 18 hours and 29 minutes. And I did it in like 1751 or 1752. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have been talking about doing this. Like, it, it was on your mind, I want to say, like, since September as, like, a possibility. Mm-hmm. And then the discussion got, like, really serious at the beginning of December because, well, first it looked like there was going to be a lot of snow, and then there was the potential to get it, like, tracked out before you went. Right. Uh, and then the, the rain came and it killed all of that snow. But so you, you were thinking about this for a long time. Um, what was like your, your training going into it? What did it look like in comparison to, you know, your efforts during the summer? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say not great. Uh, like the building up to the long trail, that was obviously my big, big, big effort for the year. And it was very structured. There was a, a good plan. And then I think the build up to Bubba's was also decent. Like I had a, I had a rest period after, uh, after the long trail. And then I had three or four weeks of build to Bubba's culminated with doing like the Dartmouth 50, uh, just as like a big training run. And then, uh, post Bubba's. So Bubba's was the first weekend of October. It has been, my training has just been like really bad. I, I don't know. It's, it's been like, I did, I did that, uh, a race called Krampusloff. I think I mentioned it on one of the podcast episodes. Um, but it was basically just like weirdly timed, you know, like, I, I recovered from Bubba's. It took me like a month. And then I tried to do a little bit of a build to Krampusloff, but it was only like two and a half, three weeks away from the end of my rest period. And so that was bad. And then after Krampusloff, there was like three weeks until I tried the Hut Traverse. And so it was just like the fall was basically just a series of do big effort, recover from big effort, do next big effort. So I, d- I don't feel like I really built at all this fall. I just killed myself repeatedly yeah but i mean fitness doesn't go away like so so fast that like it wasn't like you were under trained for this you know just just perhaps uh like fatigued in the bones uh more than you know you you typically go into an effort with correct i think that's i I think that's just it like i wasn't any less fit i was just tired um so you went uh eastbound Mm-hmm. Right towards towards Carter, uh, yeah. what was the like decision making process to go to go eastbound and like what time did you pick to start? Yeah, uh, so east versus westbound for this route, there's just certain certain things to take into consideration. Some of them are like inherent to the route. Some of them are personal. On the personal side, like probably the sketchiest situation I've been in was during my winter hut traverse in 2021, where I like bonked really hard on 
on Lafayette. Uh, it was on, I was on the north side of it. So I was like not anywhere close to civilization. Trail was untracked. Like I, I truly don't know what I would have done if, if Bill wasn't there. I, I don't know. It was, it was tough. Cause it was like pitch black. I was, I was having a relatively hard time making my way through the Alpine zone. I kept like stepping into spruce traps and stuff. Um, and so anyway, that, that is to say like, since then, I've had a little bit of a of a weird intimidation with Lafayette, um, especially in the winter. And so part of my thought process was I just want to get over Lafayette while I'm fresh and feel good um, and just have it behind me because I like feel I, I sort of build off of like positive steps throughout an effort. And I felt like I just feel much more comfortable and good in the presidentials than I do in sort of the Western whites. Um the other part of it was I do feel like it's better to go through the presidentials during the day um, because there is so much alpine zone. And even if the weather's not terrible, if it's super socked in, it can be hard to see where you're going. So uh, I, I, I knew I was going to start early in the night or early-ish in the night. Um, and so it made sense to go. I thought it made sense to go east so that I could do all the presidentials during the day. Um, in terms of where, where I decided to start, like my ideal start time would have been like 10 PM. So I would have finished basically at sunset. Uh, I had a family, a Christmas family dinner to attend to that night. Oh yes. Uh, and so I didn't end up getting to the start until I, I think I was like, I left the, uh, I left the Lonesome Lake Hut to start the traverse at like eleven twenty p.m., which isn't bad. No, I, that's better than better than you thought it might be. You yeah, thought you might be starting at like one. Yeah, which is awful. Yeah, yeah. So it ended up being that I did like the last couple miles to the Carter Hut in the dark at the end, but it wasn't it wasn't that bad. It was fine. Um, so yeah, that was it. Also, thank you to to Ben Peterson, uh, my brother, for driving me like drop going with me to drop my car at. Carter and then also shuttling me over to Lonesome. He pissed away five hours of his night <laughs> that night to, to help me. So that was very nice of him. Yeah, the hammer is a is a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like your your choice to do it that way, I think is like somewhat surprising because I think people are more often intimidated by the presidentials. Mm-hmm. And, like, you are very comfortable in the presidentials. Like, in your, in the most recent 48 effort, you know, like, that's where you, like, really picked it up. You started picking up time on, on splits. And it's, but it's also strange, like, Lafayette is, like, it's like Disney World in the summer, right? Yeah. It's like a standalone mountain that, like, a ton of, like, people who don't really hike go and hike. Mm-hmm. But I think from, like, a a trail runner's perspective, like where you're trying to string together like a big, big day, Lafayette can be super intimidating Mm -hmm. just, just by its placement, you know, how, how much vert there is. Um, yeah, you like, it's pretty easy to get screwed by it. Totally. Um, totally. I, I also just feel like the, in the presidentials one, well, I don't know. I've spent a lot of time in both. Like my first most hiked mountain in the whites 
is Washington and my second is Lafayette. So mm-hmm. it's like it's not like I don't have experience on Lafayette. But to me in the presidentials, like pretty much no matter where you are, if you can keep your bearings, there there's just bailout routes galore up there. Right. Whereas right. like once you Yeah, there's the Skakumchuk Brook Trail, but like really once you dip off the north side of Lafayette, you're committing to the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like in the in the presidentials, like it's very likely, unless you're really in the dead of night, that there's other people out there. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's not easy to get turned around, right? Like all you see is the the bumps down the down the ridge, and right. just follow those. Um, yeah, no, I it's it's a backbreaker. But also going uh going eastbound, you know, meant that. Um, yeah, you weren't tired when you're going through that that wilderness spot, even if uh, even if it was super dark. Mm-hmm. But so, um, yeah, you start at like eleven fifteen, eleven twenty. Uh, walk us through that that first section, like through the through the Pemi. So yeah, the I'll mention trail conditions too because it was like super variable. So I'll try to give you guys an idea of what what was under my feet at the time. Um, so, and to give you guys an idea, I like really, if you wanted to care about your gear and your feet, you'd take off, you'd like be constantly taking off and on the spikes throughout the day, which I think Philip and Andrew had to do on their effort because they were worried about keeping their feet better, good for like more than one day. For me, I was just like, okay, I didn't like, I didn't wear spikes until I kept the spikes off until, uh, the Gale head hut. And then, no, sorry, not the Gale Head Hut, the, the Greenleaf Hut. And I put them on at the Greenleaf Hut, wore them to the Highland Center, uh, so that was a long time, and then took them off for, like, a little bit on the A to Z trail going down to the Highland Center. Basically put them back on somewhere near the Mitzvah Hut and kept them on the rest of the way. And so those spikes are dull as shit now because I was just like, so much of it was just running over rocks. Like it, it, it really wasn't that snowy, but there's just so much ice interspersed in yeah. there that it didn't make sense to take them off. So uh, first little bit coming down from the Lonesome Lake Hut, just a mix of like, like 500 descending feet of just ice and snow and then 500 feet bare. Uh, felt fine, had a, had a system... Uh, down to keep my water from freezing uh, and and then the the climb up Lafayette was good there was no um, like good but also like didn't feel great <laughs> which will be a theme uh, like was making okay time uh, I, I couldn't like there was barely any wind up there so that was really really nice and um, yeah got up and over Lafayette with essentially no problems and um one part of the winter hut traverse that can be particularly heinous is uh, from the top of Lafayette to the top of Garfield because uh, it just fills in and disappears in the in the winter. Uh, and it, and it, it really holds snow. So even when I went through on this really low snow pack, that, that section of trail was still quite snowy, but it wasn't snowy enough that the trail was disappeared. So it was, it was actually pretty nice this time because I, I didn't have to worry about the technicality so much and could mm-hmm. just run over the hard snow. Um, yeah, so that the that was pretty good. Like Lafayette was mostly rocky and icy and then from Lafayette to Garfield was pretty snowy and nice. 
um, Garf, God, Garfield, like descending off of the north part of Garfield was the sketchiest part of the entire thing. It was like, like people know that that north side of Garfield on the Appalachian Trail in the summer is like a waterfall essentially. Mm-hmm. And today, or when I did it, it was just ice falls essentially. It was like smooth, big, steep chunks of ice all the way down. And I was like, like there's zero way I'm stopping myself if I start falling. So I took it very, very slow. Yeah. And you're doing it at like 3 a.m. Yeah. The, yeah. Doing it in the dead of night, like there's nothing around. And I just had spikes. I didn't have like real, like you really want crampons on that. But yeah. I didn't have it. So. <laughs> Did you, like, uh, just, like, pick your way down, like, going straight over the ice, or were you sort of, like, trying to skirt, like, on the the side of the trail to get around? There were certain parts, like, whenever I could get to the side of the trail and, like, lower myself down by grabbing a tree, I would. Like, there were certain parts where I turned backwards and sort of tried to walk down it like a ladder. Yeah. Um, but then there were other parts where it was, like, okay, it's a four-foot drop to the next sort of, like, level piece of ice... I just kind of need to, like, trust that my spikes are going to catch the ice if I step down hard enough. Yeah, that's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but like you said, it's either take that in the dark or take the prezzies in the dark. Right, right. You you don't really have a choice. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like one of the themes about winter efforts is that, like, you're going to get something that is, like, super sketchy. For sure. Pretty much every time, every time at least, you, you have to go overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's never, I mean, I don't know about other people, but, like, I'm fairly experienced at this point, and I've, like, you, there, there's always a little twinge of something in, in your belly when you're going into the whites in the dark in the winter, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you, you pick your way slowly down that. Um, Galehead Hut isn't too far away, uh, but Galehead to Zealand, you know, that can be, there's not a ton of people doing, doing that. Like how are the conditions there? Yeah. Yeah. So it continued to be pretty good from like, once I got down the ice falls on Garfield, Garfield Ridge was actually fairly nice. It was still like holding a bit of snow, but it was hard. Uh, so made, made decent time over that. Um, Said a quick hi to the Galehead Hut, and then uh, got up South Twin, which was also I don't remember it being really bad. Like it was, it was icy, but it was fairly like step laddery. So it's a lot easier going up. Yeah, really, yeah. really icy stuff. Anyway. For sure. Yeah. But I also felt like garbage again. I yeah. A little little interjection. Like my strength has always been climbing. Like I've always been a bad runner and a good climber. And on the, it was like inverted. Like I felt fine running doing the flats and downs on this effort, but my uphill legs just felt dead the whole day. And like every time I started going uphill, my heart rate spiked and I was breathing super heavy. So I don't know what that was about. So yeah. Where did you like really like start feeling the effects of that? Right. Cause like you got up Lafayette in decent time and you said you didn't feel great, but you know, you're in the first like, you know, eight to 10 miles of the effort there. When yeah. did you really start to like realize like, Oh shoot, like I'm not climbing well. And is it, is it like your quads or your calves or, you know, just didn't have power? Yeah. It wasn't like, like muscles weren't burning. It was just like the legs are heavy. Yeah. Um, I think 
climbing up Lafayette and Garfield, I knew that I wasn't climbing great, but it, I was also still relatively fresh. And, um, you know, it takes a while for a heightened heart rate to actually catch up with you. So yeah. I, I was still making okay time. I think South Twin, I think on South Twin, it took me like uh, almost 40 minutes to, to do that 0.7 on South Twin. And I was like, wow, that was pretty slow. Mm. And then, uh, and then I, re- I really didn't have another big climb until uh, coming out of Crawford Notch of yeah. Mitzpah. And it was on that one where I was like, wow, yeah. I am dropping time. This is not good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll say, like, the climb up to South Twin was okay, just, like, icy. And then surprise- I was surprised. I thought I actually thought Twinway was going to be really good, uh, just given the conditions on Garfield Ridge. And it, Twinway, like... South Twin to the top of Gio was the one spot where I kind of wanted snowshoes because mm-hmm. it was like there wasn't that much snow, but what snow there was was super loose, and I was just like sliding around in it the whole time. It's kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah, that's it's weird because in the summer that's a that's the spot where like you can make back time. You can go like nine, ten minute miles. Yeah, I will say though it was better when I did this route in twenty twenty one. Like Twinway was gone. There was one set, like, it was in the trees. I was just sort of following the ridge line. There was one set of snowshoes that were just, like, plowed through the trees. And I was just following that, hoping that that person with the snowshoes made it to South Twin. Otherwise, like, I think I would have bailed in 2021 if there wasn't a set of tracks because there was, like, zero trail. Yeah. So, yeah, it was better. It was definitely better this year, for sure. Right, yeah. But so you're like you get up South Twin, you, you realize that it, that you're slow, like, and with, with your experience, like you know you're not climbing well, you know that climbing is your strength, mm-hmm. you know that you still have a little bit, you know, a few more hours of dark, and then you're in for like a whole a whole session of the sun being up, right? Like, whatever, how long it is, like ten hours or something. Yeah. Like, wh- where's your mind at? Like, what are your strategies there? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, anytime I'm struggling during the night, you know, at that point I wasn't really thinking, Oh, my legs are dead because I can't climb today for some reason. I was thinking, I feel like crap because it's 4am. Sure. So all I need to do is just like grind this out for another few hours and then the sun will rise. And I've like, I've done this before the sun rises, you feel great. Everything's fine. Uh, so I was just kind of grinding it out. Um, I knew that the sun would rise before, like probably a little bit after the Zealand hut, which it did. Plus I was climbing really bad on the climbs, but I was running okay on the flats and down. So I still wasn't, uh, I still wasn't bleeding much time overall. Mm -hmm. Like I was making up for it. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't know. I I wasn't really concerned about it at the time just because I felt like it was just the night. Right. Okay. So, and you get like a, from Zealand down, you know, that's some of the, the easiest trail. Mm-hmm. I assume that you're just sort of trudging away, hitting your splits. I think that you were actually, that you made back some time in your splits there. Yeah. Uh, down to the Highland Center. Yeah. Yeah. Top of, top of Zealand Mountain down to the hut was very icy, uh, sort of slow going and then got rocky towards the hut. Uh, and then A to Z trail which uh, has always been my maybe least favorite trail in the whites, 
that, that like that section from the top of the Willie Field Tom Range over to the Zealand Hut. It was it was actually fine. There was barely any snow on it, and it wasn't that icy. So yeah. it was like, I mean, I I kept my spikes on because it it just made sense because there was snow here and there. But it was it, it was some of the best conditions I've seen that trail in. It can get very very uh, filled in in the winter, but it was not. It was fine. Right. And then down to the Highland Center, it was also fine. Bill Tid had scouted it out for me the day before. And he told me about a couple of water crossings coming down to the Highland Center. Um, but they ended up not being... I, I don't know if Bill did it without waterproof shoes, but he he was, like, telling me that you couldn't really do it without getting your feet wet. And then I just got to there, and I had waterproof shoes on, so I just kind of sent it. <laughs> uh, so, you know. <laughs> it was it was fine. It was fine. That, that went quick. Yeah. And then I think the Highland Center is roughly the halfway point. Yeah. Um, but I think that you were... You were close to an hour up uh, on your splits, yeah. I believe. Which and you had split it out for just over eighteen hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you had planned a little bit of a cushion, but you took like one of the longer breaks that I've seen you take in an effort. Um, yeah, you took close to a half hour, forty minutes, I think, yeah. at the Highland Center. Uh, like, why why was that different? Yeah, so I, well, I got down to the Highland Center, and I was, my feet were wet. Like, I had, uh, on the on the A to Z trail, I stepped in a puddle that was too deep. Uh, and so my feet, like, it, it went above the top of my waterproof shoe thing. Uh, so my, my feet were soaked. I was tired. I hadn't been climbing well. The sun had risen, and I wasn't feeling particularly <laughs> better uh, at that point, and... So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to stop here. Like I, I did have to mix, uh, like 10 more hours of infinite. Yeah. Um, but I decided that I wanted to change all of my clothes cause I brought like a full extra set of clothes and change socks and just try to let my feet dry out a little bit. So yeah. that was the plan. And then I sat down in there on the floor with like the, poor tourists who were just trying to enjoy their morning. And I was this, I smelled so bad already. I was sitting in the corner. Uh, and yeah, it, I, I just like needed to sit there and not, and not think for a little bit. And I knew that I had, like I'd planned for a, I think a 20 minute break. And I knew I was 50 minutes up, 50 ish minutes up on my split. So I was like, all right, if I, if I take my 20 ish minute break, plus stay an extra 20 minutes, I'm still half an hour up on my splits. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Like, just feel good going into the second section. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I I was, I was surprised, like, to get your text, you know, saying that you were, that you took, like, a, a longer break there. Because um, usually your MO at the halfway point or after mm-hmm. is, like, if you feel good to, like, step on the gas. Yeah. Right. And so there were, as a spectator, there were some nerves there. Like we sort of could tell that things weren't going perfectly, Mm -hmm. but then like you climbed up to the, you know, up to the presidentials pretty well. Yeah. I can't remember if I hit my splits getting up to the top of Pierce or not, but it didn't feel good. Yeah, I I doubt that it felt good, but I don't think that you lost much time on your splits. Yeah. You might have, you know, 
gone for broke a little bit to meet them. Yeah, but. yeah. Oh, I remember. I actually, uh, I split it out wrong because I was there when you when you climb up to Pierce via the Mitzvah Hut. There's like a a false summit first, mm-hmm. and then and then you get to mit- and then you get to Pierce. And I like when I was going through my GPS data of my first hut traverse, I took that first false summit as the summit of Pierce. And so I ended up being like 10 minutes behind my split uh, going up. And I was like pissed off that I'd missed it by so much. And that and that my like distance calculation was so far off. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that... And then I came into my next split 15 minutes ahead and I was like, oh, I, I definitely <laughs> messed that up. So I actually didn't... If I lost time on the Pierce climb... I didn't lose much. Yeah. So it was, it was actually fine. I just didn't feel good. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I think that you held pretty steady uh, at about a half an hour, maybe up to 40 minutes um, up on your splits. But how are the presidentials, right? And it's it's daytime. Were you feeling pretty comfortable? Yeah. So I was, again, the, the, the Southern Prezies were a, a mix of, snow ice rock it it was just kind of gross like stepping on stepping on spikes on rocks it just like pushes into the bottom of your foot it's an awful feeling it's an awful (laughs) it's just so bad yeah um but the there are certain parts of that southern presidential traverse that in more full snow conditions can be really heinous like uh going going on the AT Crawford path around Eisenhower really fills in with snow in the winter. And on mine, it was fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also like going around Monroe can turn into a very steep snow field in the winter. And like last year or last year, last time I did the winter hot traverse, I just decided to go over Monroe because I was sketched out by the snow field. Whereas like this time it was also fine. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was gross because of the ice and rocks and horrible feeling uh but but it was fast yeah 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 uh and i think yeah i think i think gross but fast is like a really good way to describe the the conditions the past couple of weeks yeah yeah um but at this point like you've you've like truly realized that like climbing is not not going to be your thing today mm-hmm. and like but you have like 8 hours to go yeah and like are you just out there saying, I know that I can keep moving and I'm just going to trudge forward. Like as long as I'm not blowing up, this is fine. Yeah. There, there were certain like checkpoints where I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm still making the paces. I don't feel good, but you know, it, it came down to like, okay, I know that I'm not climbing well today, which means that anything that is like remotely runnable, I just have to run it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I have to make up for it, and uh, and I, maybe that's good. Maybe it's pushing my, my running legs a little bit, but... Um, plus, I knew that there were going to be several people that I knew out in the presidentials mm-hmm. uh, that that afternoon, and so that was that was nice. I, uh, I, I was able to get a, get a pick-me-up once in a while, and it was, it was nice. Like, those people... Um, like the people who I saw out there, uh, they would always be like, how are you feeling? You're doing great. I was like, I feel awful. (laughs) Um, 
But I saw Eric Hansen out there. I saw Marilyn Styles out there. Um, uh, Corey, I, I, I forget her last name. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, I don't know her last name because it's not on her Instagram. Come on, Corey. <laughs> uh, anyway, the yeah, saw some some great pick me ups out there in the northern prezies mostly. Yeah, I thought I was gonna see Philip and um, Andrew Soros out there. Mm-hmm later in the day, but they decided to, uh, they did an audible, so they didn't end up doing the Prezi that day. Um, so yeah, it was just a slog. I also, man, I, I wish I'd, I just did, uh, in, in my splits, I just did Lake of the Clouds to the Madison Hut as one split. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd split it out more because I forgot how far it is from, I forgot how far it is between Washington and Jefferson. Yeah. It's a really long traverse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like three miles or something. Yeah. And I just felt like I was climbing up Jefferson forever. Yeah. Dude, uh, I think that that's true for the summer version of the Hutchverse as well. Like, Madison to, to Lakes is like, feels so much longer than than it ought to be. Yeah. Um. Because the you can see your goal at Jefferson for so long, mm-hmm. uh, either direction really. Um, yeah, I mean that's a that's a really tough place to be. I don't know like how you. I don't know how you get out of that. You know, like that was sort of my, uh, my mindset at Grindstone as well, which is like you're still running okay. I feel awful, but like still running okay. Just gonna, just gonna keep going because the wheels aren't totally off. Right. But like this is, this feels bad. Right. I, I don't know how to get out of that. Yeah, I wonder because uh, Jack talks about sort of the mental well that we draw from. It. I wonder if, you know, when when you're keeping the splits, but it just feels mentally awful. Are you like building up? mental strength or are you draining yourself you know yeah like are you getting stronger or are you are you just getting weaker because you're using your mental toughness and like on the next round of whatever i do i'm just gonna be mentally weaker i yeah. don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right yeah 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 are you building building the well or are you dipping into it right yeah i don't know i don't know uh whatever like it is tough, and it's not that you're, like, constantly negative, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can still recognize that things are going well, but, you know, sometimes your body just, like, isn't responding, and your and your brain isn't totally like, wow, this sucks, I need to stop. Yeah. But it's, like, sort of this overriding, like, hmm, I feel bad, we're just going to keep moving through it, um, which is sort of a weird gray area that I, I don't think that you felt really on the long trail um yeah i don't think it's a it's a place i've been very much just in my in my running career yeah i don't at least on big efforts like i uh but it is it is a fairly satisfying feeling when you like physically don't have it and you can mentally grind it out yeah i don't know yeah i uh i mean that's something that i have always uh appreciated about you is that like when you like like for example, on the hundred mile wilderness in those last like fifteen miles, it was a, just a knockdown drag out <laughs> for you. But you were just mentally like so strong. Um, yeah, 
I don't know. Sometimes you got to clench up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I think, uh, like, for, you know, next season or something, like, either min- figuring out a way to minimize the odds of that happening, mm-hmm. I think it's way more likely to happen on, like, a second effort. Uh, or, like, yeah, yeah. you know, not, not your first or your A goal mm-hmm. thing. But figuring out how to minimize that or figure out how to, like, get out of it, it would be a huge, huge boon. Definitely. Um, but so one of the last big tests, back to the, the Hutchverse, is like getting down from Madison. Or the, like the, the steep climb up from the hut. Yeah. Which is like close to a thousand feet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and in the, the winter, you don't go down Madison Gulf because you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Mad Gulf would be. The, well, given the ice, Mad Gulf would probably still be a suicide mission this yeah. time of year. But yeah, no, definitely not. So, you, but you go go down Osgood, and that I mean, still that whole like Madison down to the Great Gulf, yeah, is like your last big test. Yeah, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> so in my mind, for whatever reason, in my mind, I had pictured Osgood being like it was when there was like full snow in 2021, and it and when I did it in 2021, it sucked because I was like I was breaking trail through this shin to knee deep snow up Madison for 4,000 feet, which is really, really hard. Um, but it wasn't that it was like, I planned out, I think like 18 or 19 minute miles in my plan from the Madison hut down. And, uh, one, like my climb up to Madison from the hut was super slow. Cause I was, just dead climbing at that point. Uh, and then I got to the top of Madison. And I was like, let's go. This is going to be super fast. Osgood is a heinous trail. I hadn't, like, I hadn't done that trail downward in the, uh, in like non snowy conditions since I did it on the AT in 2019. But it's like so hard. <laughs> the, the Alpine zone, it's just giant boulders. There's no real trail. Um, and then once you get below treeline, it's still just so rocky. It's so rocky and so steep. And it was just like little pools of ice here and there, but not a, like too much ice to take off your spikes, but not enough to feel good. Like I was going down as fast as I could and I was sitting at like 22 minute miles and I felt like I was flying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and thankfully, once you once you hit sort of the Osgood connector and and get out onto the Great Gulf Trail and are, are running out towards the parking lot, it gets super, super easy. So mm-hmm. I, I think I was actually able to make it up and hit my hit my split goals. But I didn't think I was going to be able to. I was like, wow, I I might be totally screwed. <laughs> I, thought, I, I was pretty convinced that I was screwed because I was like, if it takes me... If, if I can only go down Madison in 23-minute miles and then I'm just, like, cooked hiking four miles up to the Carter hut, then I might miss it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, but you get, like, two, two and a half miles or something on the Great Gulf Trail, like, actually yes. the Osgood Connector, and then you get a, nice. And then you get a good half mile on the road. Yeah. And so those are those are miles where you can make up time, yeah. for sure, even if you're tired. And I assume that you were able to take the spikes off down there. Yes. I. Yeah, I took the spikes off somewhere on that lower trail because there mm-hmm. was just no snow. Yeah. Yeah, Osgood is a mess. Like, even in the summer, it's like, you, you know, you can see Madison 
once you get to the get to the alpine zone mm-hmm. but like it's not it's not incredibly well marked you know right. even in the summer and in in the winter when those marks are you know covered up very tough yeah very tough yeah i mean they weren't covered up because there was no snow but it was just so icy <laughs> yeah and then uh yeah i think i remember you you're still essentially like a half hour up on the splits maybe 40 minutes uh when you hit the road mm-hmm. and then you do a little road run down to a 19 mile brook trail and then it's four miles up to the hut yep which like I, I think that that section of 19 mile brook trail is very cool. It feels like very old growth, very green, at least in the summertime. Um, but you know, you weren't feeling good climbing and that is just four miles of straight climbing. Yeah. How, how are you feeling finishing it out like that? Oh, I was mentally in the toilet. It was like <laughs> that, that whole four miles on 19 mile brook i was just like this is so dumb this is so dumb i want to be done so bad this is so dumb <laughs> like why can't i just be there and then i like i'd check i i was like the the kid in in class who would like check the check the clock every five minutes <laughs> and be like wow i've only gone like point zero one nine mile or point one nine miles in the last five minutes like this sucks <laughs> uh plus i based on how snow free it was at the bottom of great gulf i was like oh maybe i'll get like halfway up 19 mile brook trail before i have to put spikes back on no <laughs> it was like like you go in like 500 feet into 19 mile brook trail and there's just like a big patch of glare ice and i was like all right Sick. This is yeah. <laughs> putting the spikes back on. Yeah, I'd imagine that it holds snow and ice pretty well because it's like very covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think it's just a wet area because it runs by so many brooks. Right. And the and like especially with the flooding, I think the brooks sort of like spilled over onto the trail yeah. for some portions of it and then yeah. froze. So that was a lot of fun. Plus, I was in the dark for the last couple miles. Right. Uh, and I I do think the last couple miles were like. Like, I think I had 40 minutes up on my splits going into it, which means I had, like, an hour and 10 minutes up on the record. Yeah. And I lost, well, I lost, like, half an hour of that. <laughs> like, the the last two miles were, like, 27-minute miles. <laughs> it's just not that hard terrain. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is relatively steep um, getting up there. And at the end, when you're, like, it's not like a foregone conclusion, but all you have to do is keep moving and you've got your goal. Yeah. It's so close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, I hate my life right now. Yeah. It also, we're, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else's watch does this, but my watch records the correct distance coming down from the hut, but going up to the hut, it always says it's longer. And so like, I I got to three point like the signs kept saying three point eight miles to the hut from the road. That's what it said, and I was like, I feel like I remember it being longer. And then I got like when when I got to sort of the spur point, my watch said three point eight miles, and it was still point three miles <laughs> to the hut, and I was livid. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was great. Sure, uh, but yeah, you, you finished up. Uh, you know. 37-ish minutes up on up on the record. Yeah. Uh, but there was a caretaker at 
Carter, right? There's caretaker at, at Carter, and then uh, four hikers there, at least four hikers that were awake. It was like 5 p.m., so I doubt many people were asleep. But, uh, yeah, M- Megan Jensen was there, notable third placer at, at Bubba's. Very nice. Uh, and, and her partner, Andy. Um, they were up there. They were actually, apparently, they were trying to explain Bubba's before I got up there. Uh, and then is, yeah, it was, it was funny cause you know, we had the, the second and third place people there. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. They were, they were very kind to me. I, I made the mistake of taking them up on, on a hot beverage and sitting by the fire. Mm. Um, should have just spent the night. Well, I considered it, but I didn't have cell phone coverage there. Right. And so I couldn't, well, okay. I didn't have my phone cause I left it, uh, at the parking lot. At the bottom of, uh, at the bottom of, like, 19 Mile Brook. And, and then their phone didn't have cell phone coverage, so I had no way of contacting my parents. And I was like, if I, if I don't come down from this hut tonight and don't tell them why, their, like, SAR will be out here. Um, <laughs> plus, they, they had an extra sleeping bag, but it was only a 20-degree bag, and yeah. it was supposed to get down around 20 that night, and sure. it just would have been uncomfortable. Yeah. But I was sitting inside around the fire, and then I had to put my wet clothes back on and go run four miles downhill to get out of the woods. <laughs> it was so miserable. Yeah. But got it done. Uh, yeah. Done with the winter hot reverse. <laughs> yeah. What are your, uh, what are your reflections takeaways from, from this effort and the winter hot traverse generally? Um, the winter hot traverse isn't worth it. Don't do it. <laughs> like, I had so much personal vendetta built up against this route that I that I had to like see it through, but it's just. I mean, maybe we can talk about winter efforts, but I just don't get it. Well, I just I mean, don't get yeah, it. Yeah, before we get to that, just like re- reflections on on you as an athlete from oh. this. Well, I was proud that I like this. This is one of the one of the hardest mental efforts for me. I think. Uh, just because, like, I had to rely on, on my mental game because my physical game just wasn't there. Um, so that, like, I was proud of that. I was proud of, like, how far I've come. You know, like, the first couple big winter hikes I did, like, my water froze and all this stuff went wrong. And, um, you know, even though I wasn't physically great on this effort, logistically and uh, sort of executionally, I did really well. And I was mm-hmm. very proud of that. Like I had no problems with, with the infinite. I had no problems with water. I had no problems with layering, um, no problems with electronics dying. Um, so that was all really good. Um, I think that I, like I was talking to both you and Jordan Fields about this. This is depending on how you count big efforts. This is my eighth big effort this year. And I think I've just done too many, and that's that's sort of my hypothesis as to why I felt so physically uh, garbo. Yeah, and for you, it's not just eight races. Like your big efforts are, you know, your shortest one was Krampusloff, which is like a fifty k. Right, fifty k with fourteen thousand feet of vert. <laughs> yeah, like uh, your your big efforts are huge, like sleep deprivation you know, activities, right. which just like it builds up. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so 
yeah, that's my takeaways. I'm I'm like very ready to to take a break from from hard running for uh, a few months here. I like there's no way that I do any big efforts before the end of March at mm-hmm. least, and I'm still like relatively unsold on doing anything in March. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, those are my takeaways. It's a uh, it's a tough route, man. It challenges yeah. you. Yeah, it, it is really tough. Uh, summer, summer or winter. Yeah, I was gonna it's, say, it's just, not even a, just winter. It's just the Hutcher versus brutal, man. It's a gnarly, gnarly route. Yeah, um, which is why it's so cool. And you know, Jack's summertime is extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. I think I think Ryan's time was really good, and I think it it took a lot out of you to to beat it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it wasn't a perfect day. I don't think you know. It, I'm sure that it could be done faster, but it's a it's a tall task, you know. It's yeah, it's a tall task to to do what you did or to to even think about going any faster. Yeah, well, and you know, again, part of doing it faster is just what the ground is like. Yeah, right, and that's a it's a good segue into winter <laughs> efforts generally. Yeah, yeah, this was something like I thought about a lot on the effort, and then messaged various people about afterward is that i'm i'm really struggling with the concept of winter efforts Mm -hmm. i don't really get it um and this is not to take away from anyone doing winter efforts you know like i'm i'm proud of my effort i'm like the the people who have done winter efforts recently and in the past like anyone who's going out there and slamming massive days like that's never easy yeah so i'm not taking anything away from that i just just the, the there there's certain exceptions like the prezi which is like the fastest conditions for the prezi are during the winter when you catch like a a thaw freeze and the whole prezi just freezes over and it takes away all of the technicality and you just run on top of this giant sheet of ice most routes in the whites whether it be the hot traverse the mahusik the 48 the pemi loop um I mean, really any any route that contains a significant amount of untracked under tree line mm-hmm. is way, way, way slower under true winter conditions, in my opinion. Maybe people will disagree with me on that. But, I mean, I can tell you, I've done the hut traverse now in deep winter conditions, and I've done the hut traverse in what I would call, like, icy late fall conditions. Yeah, yeah fringy. And... Neither of them are easy, but this one was way faster. Yeah. So, like, what is the point of a, of a winter speed effort? Like, or I guess, what's the point of a winter effort? Like, to me, the reason why we do winter efforts and categorize them as something else is because it's a fundamentally different adventure. Like, you're, you're, you should be hoping for, like, the winter experience. Mm-hmm. Winter speed efforts on most routes to me you're just hoping for summer in december <laughs> like you're hoping for as close as you can get to summer right to like to me that kind of defeats the purpose like so so if someone in 2030 gets like a 60 degree rain in december and runs the hut traverse completely bare is it like wow what an impressive winter <laughs> like oh you just ran a summer hut traverse in December in 15 hours. Like, is that really that impressive? Right. I don't know. 
mean, like, I think, I think Jack could do what I just did in, like, 13 hours, you know? I, I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I just, I just think that in some ways winter, winter speed records on most routes are, are like self-defeating because it kind of destroys the whole purpose of winter record or winter efforts to begin with. If your value of a winter effort is having a different experience than in the summer. Right. Yeah. I think the, the like winter categorization is like an acknowledgement that it's, that it is a different experience. Right. But what you're saying is true. You're hoping, you're hoping for summer when it is like between the solstice or, or between a, you know, December 21st and March 21st or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, there, there's something weird with that though in the summer also, right? Like you're, you're also hoping for a, like specified conditions, you know, sure. you, you want, you want it to be let's say, like, mid-50s, 60s, like, you want it to be not super slick, you want to do it on, if you're talking, like, the Prezi, like, a day where there aren't going to be a ton of people out, like, you, you want to time it up, right, so that you get these idealized conditions. Mm-hmm. Arguably, it's the same concept with a winter thing, except, you know, you're in a different category that is meant to reflect, like, you know the necessity of like snowshoeing or something. Right. Um, right. But yeah. And to me, it's like a hundred percent agree. Like part of FKT is finding the best conditions that I get that. I think, you know, when you're, when you're looking for the best conditions in the summer, you're not hoping for the opposite of summer. Sure. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of what, what I, what I getting at with the winter is like, you're, you're, you're doing a winter thing while actively wishing the winter isn't there. And it's like, well, what's the point then? Yeah, I mean, it's taking the taking the conditions optimization to the extreme. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like, I'm being incredibly hypocritical on this because the past three years, my, my mindset has been, I'll go back and do the winter hut traverse when it's not really winter. <laughs> right, <know? laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and again, it's not the... It's not that these like runs are impressive. They're they're super impressive. It's just conceptually, if you're trying to compete in a winter category, you're trying to avoid winter conditions. Yeah. Right. Like it, it everything that's been done in the past couple of weeks since it's been winter has been super cool, super impressive, really well done. It's still slower. Like it for anybody to do them, it'd be slower than it would be in the summer. Hundred percent. For yeah. sure. Um, but you're just like whittling away the thing that makes it the winter category. So I, I think I think that you're right. I just don't... I don't know... You know, you take it to the logical conclusion, right? And it's either you take away the winter categorization and you effectively make speed efforts like null between December 21st and... March 31st or whenever the conditions don't allow for right. the total optimization. Uh, or, you know, you, you keep sort of hoping that it's summer and winter, right. right? Like those are the, those are the two end results. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Cause if, if you, 
I feel like no one's happy if you just get rid of winter, if you get rid of the winter category altogether. But perhaps it's more honest, right? It is like, it's more you, honest. You allow people to truly, like, pick their day. And right. if you decide to do it in winter, you know, you have to live with that. You sure. can't just go with a winter categorization. But it can go the opposite way too, of like, like in the, the Prezi, right? <laughs> And Jack would Jack would obviously fight tooth and nail to yeah. say that like the 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 character of the root is different when it's covered in snow. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're you're pointing out a problem. I I'm, I don't think that there's like an an easy solution. Um, I mean the like the real best solution is to somehow have an objective way where FKT... Well, again, I don't know if I want to give this much power to FKT over, like, the local... You want to... I, I actually think that a case-by-case analysis, like, for root, uh, like, is a bad idea in this. Like, I, I don't think it's a bad idea if you had the manpower to have, like, local people deciding each individual case. Yeah, I think that we disagree then. Because I think that that case-by-case, like, uh, argumentation is, like, a poor investment. Interesting. Why? Because I think that a lot of things in the same same region could go either way. And I think that there'd be too much... too much thinking and, like, passion going to this like very tangential issue instead of figuring out just how you can make winter conditions work for you to like compete at certain routes that like maybe summer times aren't as competitive in Mm. or um well yeah i think that that's true or i think that like i think that it just doesn't reflect like the fastest known time thing because it's about choosing your day. Yeah. And I I, th- I, so, I think that you'd be fighting over something that, like, is either, like, antithetical to the FKT value mm-hmm. or, like, prevent, um, you know, a specific FKT from just, like, becoming competitive with winter and summer efforts together. Sure. So you're kind of making the argument to get rid of the... The winter categorization? Yeah. I think that I think that it would reflect like the values of competition better, but I think I think having a winter categorization, like you know, acknowledges a different experience. So I I just think it should be like one or the other. I think a case by case like you know debate or whatever is just like a bad investment. Yeah, but then like again, separate categories then comes back to. Like, what is the winter experience? Is like if the winter is the winter experience just oh, it is after the winter solstice, but before the spring equinox. No matter what the conditions are, right? That yeah, that's a proxy for conditions, right? Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. It, It also like would feel weird if like somebody got to do a route in the winter which is kind of how it is now, do a route in the winter and say, like, either say this trumps the summer effort 
uh, on something like the Prezi, you know, if it if it's faster, or just say this route deserves a winter categorization, and here's my time. Let me on the board. Right. Like neither of those things really works, I think, unless there's like a blanket expectation that doesn't matter what day you do it, 365, sure. or any effort that's done, you know, between December 21st and March 21st is in the winter categorization. It can't trump, you know, the summer, the summer route. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I, yeah, well, I mean, that kind of brings up the question of, you know, there, there, there are sort of a very select few routes that even have a winter category. Right. And it's ones that people care about. So it's ones that people care about getting onto the boards for. Yeah, but, well, for example, uh, I think a good example of of one where there isn't, where there possibly should be, is, like, the Franconia Ridge Loop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, Prezi-esque. Yeah. Like, it's short, it's packed, it can be really, really fast in the winter. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it is definitely interesting. I mean, maybe maybe this is more... Well, I, so on the Franconia Ridge Loop, isn't one of the like more recent FKTs? I think only the most recent one, like the one that currently stands, I believe, is winter, and then the one before it is summer, and yeah. they're relatively close. It's only like two or three minutes separating them. Right. Um. So, it's you know, it's not like it's not like the winter is just so dominating that right. that it couldn't be beat in the summer. Right. Yeah. It's a uh... Yeah, three, two and a half minutes faster. Yeah, uh, for the winter effort. But the the FKT, the third most recent FKT is from November, right? And so it's like November. That's a weird time. Yeah, I, actually, the uh, Franconia Ridge Loop has a pretty pretty decent history of um, winter efforts. There's there was one from late March, and there's one from February 2012. Hmm. The women's unsupported record is also from March. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's interesting because you know J- Jack's argument with the Prezi was that was that the technicality of the Prezi is like fundamentally part of the root, and mm-hmm. if you take that away, then it's not really the Prezi. Um. I feel like that's a fairly subjective thing to say, you know, not to, not to poke the bear. <laughs> uh, I don't think Jack listens, but <laughs> right. Yeah. But it doesn't really seem right that you, you have to like fight about a threshold of technicality to like, yeah, get to deserve a winter categorization. My bigger thing was, uh, that I think under deep winter conditions that having done I didn't do the Prezi Traverse, but, like, when I did the Hot Traverse in 2021, I was, like, going over the Prezi's in deep winter conditions. And it is incredibly hard to follow the trail mm-hmm. 100% of the time in the in the winter just because stuff gets covered up. So, like, my – I think a better argument for for limiting winter stuff on something like the Prezi is to say, hey, if you can figure out how to – Exact like the Prezi has been defined now as a route. It's not just hitting the summits; it's a route. If you can exactly follow the route in the winter, somehow good for you. But no, 
like no just running over the snowpack no like skipping out on the golf side trail because it's too sketchy over by the great golf like if you if you take the good with the winter you have to take the bad with the winter too right right well i I think that that is like the i think that that's the thing that like reflects the fastest known time ethos if you take it to the extreme Mm -hmm. right I, i think so too i'm more sympathetic to that yeah uh and like i mean that run wasn't like far and away faster on the Prezi? Yeah. No, it wasn't. I mean, Jack came back and beat that time. Yeah. Like, in summer conditions this year. Right. Um, yeah. And the the Franconia Ridge Loop also bears the same same concept out, that summer and winter conditions, you know, have trade-offs. Right. And it's not that one is so much easier than the other. Yeah. Yeah. N- I know. I'm, like, hang on, Jack will probably hate this, but I'm kind of on the side of, like, in FKT, like, with any route, you pick your day, and, like, if the conditions are fastest during a certain time of the year on a route, I think that maybe that's when people should race it. I, yeah, I, I think that that's the cleanest solution. Yeah. Personally, and it's the one that... It's the one that I think I like the best. Sure. <laughs> right? I mean, you have a lot more chances at a fast time in summer conditions. Sure. Right, like you, you just get unlucky during the winter and not never get a good yeah condition. You could e- yeah, you could easily just not get a day that it makes sense to go. And right. like in summer, you can have slightly non-ideal conditions and still be very fast and competitive. Right. Um, in the winter, I think if you have slightly non-ideal conditions, you're screwed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's right. true. And so it's like there's oh on something that's like extremely competitive right where you're trying to you're trying to face off against like summer efforts sure um so i think that i would i would come down on um on the side of like taking away a winter categorization Mm -hmm. right and it's just kind of like just kind of tough luck i think uh I I totally agree that there there are trails that where like the nature of the route is like the technicality, like I agree with that. But I also think you know it's it's a bad investment. I I I'm not sure what good it would do for like the trail running community to fight about a winter categorization on every route. Sure. That that people care about. Sure. I agree with that, and I don't know. bring so. Bring it back to sort of the beginning of this. I think what I was trying to get at, more so than how we categorize winter routes and winter efforts, is like why we do them. Like I don't, I don't know if I, like I see both sides of, of sort of the winter categorization argument of like how we should do it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sympathetic to both sides, um, especially because there's you know there's already a lot of history in some of these winter efforts Mm -hmm. um and like taking it away i think would would ruffle some feathers um but i i just would like challenge you know if there's any young guns out there or or old guns out there (laughs) looking at winter records i i just like challenge you to think like what what is the point of doing a winter effort and like why why do i want to do it what's the experience i want if if 
like if you're the experience you're looking for is I want to run this route faster than anyone has between the winter solstice and spring equinox, no matter what the conditions are, then like, great, go like, go for the record, try to get as summery conditions as possible or as fast conditions as possible. If you're looking for a true winter experience, I don't, I don't know that FKT is the is the place to like look for that. Yeah, it's it's like not the proper vehicle to facilitate that experience. Right. So it's really just what you're looking for. And I think, you know, I think my um, my sort of thought process coming out of this effort is that if I do winter efforts in the future, I would be more inclined to do something more like I did in 2021 which is like go go for full winter and enjoy and try to like embrace the winter experience cuz again I don't I, I'm I'm not, I'm not trying to like talk down on my effort or anyone else's effort but like claiming this record feels a little cheap <laughs> just a little bit and it's not like I mean I think I think that's the history of the winter hot traverse record is like I don't think me or Ryan had incredibly wintry conditions yeah Uh, right but on on the flip side like why like even if if you go experience wise you know not just like fastest time between december 21st and march 21st if you're like trying to say you have the fastest time that's like a winter experience quote unquote what are you gonna do like are you gonna are you gonna measure the snowpack that people have to deal with? I'm what? I'm perhaps saying not saying I'm I'm suggesting that if you're if you're if you're looking for a winter if you're looking for a true winter experience and not just like the fastest time between two dates, then maybe you don't go for a record. Yeah. If you wanna go for speed, then just sort of challenge yourself. Yeah. Like see how fast you can do it under really bad winter conditions. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's totally reasonable to say like, you know, last year the snow level was highest on February 2nd. This year I want to see how fast I can do a Pemi loop on February 2nd. You know, when I think conditions are going to be the worst. Sure. Like, yeah, that, that's totally reasonable. Um, and yeah. And, and like maybe perhaps that's not conducive to, to going for a record, but you're still pushing yourself as hard as you can. Like it's still, it's still a very, I think, meaningful experience. Um, I don't know. I think Jordan would pr- would be proud of me for this take, but I think uh, I think Philip next week might get mad at me <laughs> for this take. So we'll see see how it goes. Um, but again, no, I I think that that that's true. And like one of the things that is like very difficult, I think, to find to find a balance like in the FKT space is like you know, acknowledging, like, what a run is for. Like, are you... It's super easy to say this FKT is, like, could be faster, I could do it, I'm just going to do it so that, like, because I, I want I want that record, sure. right? Um, even if all you're really looking for is, like, the experience of running this trail, right? Um, and also, it this is sort of like representative of like trail running wanting to be like a thing that everybody can do. Mm -hmm. Right. 
which is in like huge tension with fastest known time like that is that that gives value to the runs and people that are the fastest right whereas like trail running and hiking are super enjoyable for everybody to do right and the winter categorization sort of reflects that inclusivity whereas like the fastest known time ethos cuts away at that um which is just sort of representative of like a growing sport sure yeah no i think i think you're right um and once again just one like don't know how many disclaimers i can throw in in one take but i'm not i'm not saying people shouldn't go for winter records if that's what they want to do like i just did that it's it's fine like do it if that's what your heart calls i i'm just i'm just uh i'm just letting you guys know how how my experience doing that left me feeling at the end of it and and sort of the thoughts i'm left with so yeah right yeah none none of this is is taking away anything right like if you go out there safely in a blizzard and rip a penny in (laughs) 13 hours or something right in the most heinous conditions possible that would be electric (laughs) like you would deserve flowers for that for sure right like uh it's just it that's not the fastest known time because you chose brutal conditions but it's still hard as nails (laughs) yeah exactly yeah no totally um and yeah i think i think there's a certain amount of um recognition that people who do these speed efforts want whether they admit they want it or not and maybe that's you know maybe that's what what draws us into doing the thing that gets our name on the on the website yeah (laughs) but (laughs) but you know that's perhaps there's more than that perhaps perhaps you dear listener should go out (laughs) and do a pemi in a blizzard yeah don't well, do that. I'm right. not responsible for your safety. Fastest known time reflects only the value of speed. Right. Theoretically. Yeah. And there are a lot of other ways to be really, really good at trail running and hiking, which is like being super strong, being able to navigate really well, being like logistically very sound, mm-hmm. like being safe, being a good citizen on the trails, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, and those values are not represented on the leaderboard. Yep. Yeah. I think that's good. That's just some cogent analysis. (laughs) (laughs) That is just good content right there. You guys are all welcome. (laughs) All four of you. (laughs) (laughs) True. Uh, Well, it's a pleasure. Congratulations on your, on your run. Thank Uh, you. You know, it's hard as nails they might say yeah yeah no i'm happy to have happy to have the winter hut traverse behind me uh it was is it's a gnarly route and uh yeah yeah no happy to move on and not you know the last four years every every november xander and i flash texts back and forth saying winter hut traverse <laughs> and that's finally over now, so thank yeah, God for yeah, that. Jesus. Yeah, now it's time for the winter hibernation. Nah, I, I feel like next year we're going to start having to just 
rip winter hundred mile wilderness. Christ. <laughs> Christ. It's actually probably pretty decent. No. No. <laughs> just no. Think about how cold the Fords would be if the water oh, is even yeah. like remotely high. Yes, yeah, that would be brutal. <laughs> no, 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 you're right, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Not doing that crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, well anything else uh you no, discuss? no, I think I think we're good. Any updates in your life? Any updates in my life? Dude, you've been uh, tell the people about your your running recently. Oh, uh, yeah, my running is all fast all the time. <laughs> I run like three or four times a week. <laughs> <laughs> all gas, no brakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, choosing between another hundred miler or just trying to rip a ten k. I'll probably make my decision by the end of February. But Wait. either. You'd rip a 10K during the summer? Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> Dude, you can't you can't bail out on the on on the on the vision I have for your summer. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Alright. Yeah. Yeah, man's been ripping ten Ks. Yeah. Dan Kurtz is quaking. <laughs> uh no. I can't even sniff Dan Kurtz's time. <laughs> well. No one can. Yeah. Jack might be quaking. I don't know how fast he runs a 10K. Yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. I'm sure he could beat me on the Stairmaster, though. Hey, Jack, I bet you can't beat Killian at a 10K. Heesh. <laughs> Heesh. <laughs> yeah, this garbage time content is going to make us a lot of a lot of enemies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just, all you have to do is tell Jack that Killian could do something faster, and then he'll spend right. his life doing it. Yeah. Yeah, 28-minute 10K incoming. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, I wouldn't doubt it. All right. Well, let's pack it in. Let's pack it in. (laughs) That was a good content session today. Um, Yes, I actually have stuff on the calendar now for guest recording, so you guys are going to be getting uh, hopefully less Xander coming up. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, a pleasure as always. Oh, yeah, just a pleasure. Yeah, Yeah. just an honor. All right, we'll catch you guys later.